if God is waiting on you to establish your vision before he bless you? Render My Money 2021, Session 10. All right, thank you all for coming out to this month's Render My Money class. Before we get started, I just want to ask by a show of hands, we've talked about mortgages, we've talked about investing, and we've talked about retirement. So we sort of started because we were actually picking up from the last part of Dave Ramsey. We started from the end, and now we're working in reverse. So for the next three classes, we're going to get to the fundamentals. And the fundamentals when it comes to financial solvency or financial freedom, it always start with how do you maintain your money? And so today we're not going to get into like we did in the first series, explaining a vision, but we are going to talk about budgets. And the reason why I decided to do this is because, A, I think that we need to really be clear that when it comes to managing your money, when it comes to reaching financial goals, it's not really rocket science. It's not a mystery. And the problem is it requires you to do something that's tedious, something that takes time to see the benefit. And when you have things like that, it's always hard to be consistent. It's always hard to be disciplined and maintain. And I want to make sure that for these next three classes, we get that in. And so we will do budgets this class. And I may do another thing on investing. And then we're going to do retirement again. But this retirement, we're going to talk about wills and probate and that kind of thing. Because recently I had an incident where there was a person who asked me a question because they had some issues with their family. And a lot of times we don't think about doing those things. But we, want, you know, we don't want to have a lot of disruption if you know, we pass to the next plateau in life, in afterlife, we don't want to have our family members here confused about what we would like to get done. So I think it's important to at least give a very simple instruction on how to prepare a will. So when we think about it, just by a show of hands, when we talked about, say, mortgages, did anybody implement anything we talked about? Did you get an amortization schedule? Have you started paying more on principles or were you already doing that? Did you look at your interest rates? Because you have to take this information and act on it. It's not going to help you if you listen to it and don't do anything. This requires action. And when we talked about investing, did anybody look at their 401ks or look at any of their retirement or start retirement? Did anybody do anything different? Okay, good. So I want to make sure we put action behind this class. And if you have questions, those are the questions that I really like to hear people ask. Because when it comes to talking about your budget, Once you get the information, you have to do something. It will require you to either increase your income or it's going to require you to cut your expenses. Those are the only two things you can do. And a lot of times the problem happens when we don't do it soon enough and we ignore it and it piles up. Or we have a consistent habit of making bad choices in purchases. So today we're going to talk about how to create and maintain a fixed budget. So what do I mean by a fixed budget? But that's not what we're talking about. That's a good reason. That's a good answer. When I say a fixed budget, sometimes we put together a broken budget. So this fix is almost like when you ask my borrow a car. It's one thing that they got a car, but you don't want them that you borrow a broken car. When you get halfway down the road, it tears up. You want your budget to be right. It must be fixed. It must be correct. And I wanted to say fixed because I want you to think about it as how you're going to get to the next destination. 
And you want to travel in something that's working. That's correct. That is fixed. You want your budget, which is your car. It's really your car. It tells you your turn, your direction, all that's in your budget. You want it to be fixed. And it's really simple. It's nothing hard about it. It's nothing mysterious. It's very simple. It just have to be truthful. You have to be truthful about your income. You got to be truthful about your expenses. You got to be truthful about what you're going to do. Because it makes no difference or makes no sense to do a budget and they don't follow it. Or do a budget and think you can borrow your way out of debt. See, a budget allows you to create what's called good actions, what gives you good habits. That's all it is. So when you think about it, it's very simple. And there's a video I want to play, which is what guy's talking about. He's an athlete. I like to listen to athletes because, to me, athletes are examples that are very visual. And we can all see the whole situation play out. You know who won the Super Bowl because you saw the Super Bowl. And you can say, hey, it got a bad call. But at the end of the day, they get one team the Super Bowl ring and the trophy. Huh? Uh, 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 They give it to one team. You can have all the excuses just like in the budget. Uh, something happened. Uh, I lost my job. Uh-uh. That's why athletics, to me, is the purest example to me of life. It's the purest example of you establishing a vision. Because when you talk to teams, they say the same thing. I want to, I'm in this to win a championship. The ones that win, they come in with a vision. So just like with your money, you're supposed to have a vision. What if God is waiting on you to establish your vision before he bless you? What if you get to heaven after you've lived on this earth your whole life? And you say, God, I struggled my whole life. And why? Why did I never get a break? He said, you didn't ask me. Your vision is telling God what you're aligning with. You're asking God to bless your efforts. That's what a vision is. It's your ask. It's your ask. Because what God blesses, he blesses your efforts. He's the one who allows the increase. But you cannot have increase if you're not doing anything. He's the multiplier, right? So what's the answer if you multiply something by zero? Exactly. It could be the $150 trillion and you multiply zero, it turns to zero. And that's God. So you have to go in with action. So play the video. I want you to listen to this guy talk about simplicity. This guy won two or three Super Bowls. His name is Air Reed. Because we got volunteer firemen walking around here cleaning up after grown men. Right? My locker, your locker, is two feet from the garbage can. You come off, tape, cut your tape off your ankles, your wrist, and instead of you throwing it in the garbage can, where you throw it at? Wonderful. I'm like, listen, guys, little things, man. Pick up your towel. You're walking out. The dirty bin is right there when you walk out. Why you leaving that towel in there? Or somebody else to come in there and clean up. I did it myself because I didn't want the firemen to have to look at my teammates towels and had to pick them up all the time. I saw the teammates that can vouch for that. And they can vouch for this story because it's true. Super Bowl year. We ain't winning it, y'all. Don't do the little thing. We started to come together even more so. I said, we're going to Super Bowl anymore. You heard what he said? Could you understand it? I knew it was going to play like that. Yeah, but he was talking about how his teammates would leave all this stuff on the ground because they had people to come clean it up. And these were volunteer firemen who would come to clean up. And he was embarrassed because he said, we're grown men. You could pick up your stuff and put it up, right? He said it was the little things. And he said that Super Bowl year, we did the little things. 
Now, he was a leader, and he had to make that happen. But who's the leader of your finances? You are. If you start doing the little things, you'll see big results. If you start, stop thinking about, oh, that's just $20. That's just $5. Because a lot of times what we don't understand is if we bless with millions of dollars, we'll say, oh, that's just $100,000. That's $200,000. The same thing happens. The same thing. And that's why a lot of times we can't be blessed because we haven't learned how to handle the little things. And what God knows is we're going to have big problems when we don't do the little things. So when you think about your budget, you have to think about being diligent in this small task. I really call it the lifeblood of your finances. Because when you're broke and you're in debt, it's discouraging because you don't like to see the truth. But then when you got a lot of money, you don't worry about it. Because you say, well, I got plenty of money. Until one day, you wake up and say, hey, you're going broke. Like I was listening to a story about T-Pain. And he was saying he was spending money and he didn't know he was going broke until the guy told him, you can't buy that. And he was like, why hadn't you all told me this before? Well, everybody who's employed by him, it was to their benefit that he kept spending money. It's the same thing. So when I talk about budgets, you have to make a commitment to do this because you would not see your money. And money is just like time. It is so easy to get away from you as a couple or as an individual. When you have a spouse, you got to be on the same page. So what I'm going to talk about today is how to create and maintain a fixed budget. And you've heard the saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And if you take out the word worth and put in the word equals, it reads a little different. An ounce of prevention equals a pound of cure. That is exponential growth. That's exponential return. I take an ounce of something and I get a pound back. The point of that is, is that a lot of times when we have our budget, we can see things before it gets too late. Most people are not destroying their finances by something that happens overnight. Usually it's a consistent habit. And sometimes it's a consistent habit of not even preparing for those uncertainties. So what is a fixed budget? Well, some say a fixed budget is a zero based budget. What does that mean? A zero-based budget just means that when I pay all my expenses and when I get all my income, it balances out to zero. So I don't have any expenses. I'm not in a deficit or surplus. That's a zero-based budget. Now, that's a correct budget. The only problem is your budget has to be correct in what's in it because what's in it should be everything that you're directing your money to go to. So the zero doesn't mean you have zero money. Zero means I took money and put it into my savings. I took money to put into my retirement. I took money out and directed it to go into my college fund. Every dime that you make should be directed. But here's the deal. The problem is, if you start looking at it, what's the first thing that happens? Now, when you got a lot of money, it's kind of fun to look at big numbers. But when you don't have money, you get discouraged. Or when you got a lot of money, you get lazy. And your mentality shifts. It shifts to when you start saying, oh, I can't do that. Like, I have a rule. I could always fly coach. I've traveled with a friend of mine who's a big celebrity. And on the first trip, we went over together, went to play golf. He went to first class. I went to coach. He's like, man, what you doing at coach? <laughs> I'm basically saying, look, man, I flew for a living. I said, I'm flying an hour and a half. This ticket will cost me $198. It's going to cost you $600. I don't care how much money I got. You understand what I'm saying? But... People use a four-letter word when they start talking. This is where you know a person is going down the wrong word. They use this four-letter word all the time when they talk about material things. I love that. I love that car. 
I love, or they'll say, this means so much to me. This thing my mother left me means so much to me. There are no vehicles following hers that allows you to take anything to the afterworld. Your memories that you build in life are your interactions with those people that you love. The material stuff means nothing. That's pride, ego, or just sometimes foolishness. Because when you start loving material things, you are on your way to becoming a fool. Listen, <laughs> nothing is guaranteed. And my philosophy is, as long as I don't fall in love with anything material, I can always be happy. That's why even my family, when people start telling me, I can't do that. I can't go to that. I'd be like, look. <laughs> I'd say, look. i say, look. You know, me and my wife, we have a budget. So we have a house account. We have a budget. So when there are things that are not in line with our budget and somebody say, well, I can't. Oh, I say, well, hey, well, you can pay the difference at your own money. You see what I'm saying? It's not going to come out of the house account and I'm not going to pay it. But that's the mentality. It's not being cheap and all that. It's being where you are able to exist, not being brainwashed by this marketing society. Listen, this whole world is designed to take every dime you got. That's all it's designed for. That's all they do. That's everybody's working 24-7 to get your money. And you could be crazy enough to give it to them and say, well, I feel good. I'm happy. Just because they say you drive a new Lincoln, you're going to be happy. Or you drive the new Lamborghini, you're going to be happy. It's up to you to believe that. So when it comes to creating and maintaining a correct or fixed budget, the first thing is, you have to look at where you're spending your money. You have to tell every dollar to go in the right place. Or you have to say, I got to stop spending my dollar. Whether it's eating out, whether it's your car payment. I passed out, and I will pass out again at the beginning of the next class, a budget guideline. Your car payment is supposed to be 15% of your monthly income. It's not about what you like. It is what you can afford. If you're making $1,000 a month, and your car is costing you $300 a month, you are already at 30% of your income. You're overpaying based on what you make. Now, you have two options. You can buy that car and get a second job or make more money, or you got to change that car. Simple as that. Because when you're putting money into that car, which is a depreciable asset, you're taking money out of your retirement. So down the road, you're going to end up in a place where you got to go and ask the government or family to take care of you. And that's not a good place because that is an issue where you always find yourself in what I call an undesirable position. When the government is taking care of you, you got people who work in the government, and they, it's their job. You are not a person. It's their job. So all they want to do is plug whatever's supposed to happen. If they're supposed to give you a caregiver, they'll give you a caregiver. They don't care if that caregiver's on drugs, anything. Unless something happens, then they come in. But you got to deal with that person. Or if there's no caregiver available, you're on your own because they're only going to pay a certain amount. The government has to have the lowest price on anything they purchase when it's for what's called entitlement. Entitlement. When you hear entitlements in the government, they talk about Social Security, welfare. Those are entitlements. I mean, you ain't earned it. That's a, you're entitled to that only because you're a U.S. citizen. So it's always the bottom. That's why people fight so hard when they talk about universal health care. Because people are like, hold on. Have you been to the DMV lately? Can you imagine going to the doctor and run like the DMV? That's the Department of Motor Vehicles. Anybody went down and get a license? They're not too nice, are they? So you look at your groceries, you look at everything that you are spending money on, and you make sure it fits into that guideline. The next thing you have to do, you have to be realistic. You have to be realistic about everything that you buy. You have to be realistic about how much you can make. Now, you don't have to set a ceiling on your dreams and your hopes 
But you do have to be realistic about what you're going to do. See, right now, we're in what's called a shared economy. So a lot of people are making a lot of money doing a lot of things that normally you couldn't get into. So right now, like I say, people deliver groceries because some people don't have time, and they make a lot of money. One guy was telling me he's making $100 a day for three or four hours delivering groceries because he gets a $10, $15 tip. Or people driving Uber. You hear about those things. Now, you may not want to drive Uber, but, you know, you could go online and look at all kind of ways to make money right now. And this is only going to be a window because if you look at the news and the Internet, you see, like, people like Elon Musk, they're coming up with robots who will be in our lifetime if you live 20 years. It's going to do all this manual labor stuff. So when you go to the cash register, it's going to be a robot there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> When you go get your yard cut, it's going to be a robot. They said a robot can push 150 pounds and it can run three miles an hour. So it can cut grass. It can cut grass all night. It can cut grass 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. So this is a time when the opportunity is there to make extra money to get out of debt. So you can direct your money. The goal should be where you are saving 40% of your income. That should be everybody's goal. If you can live off 60% of your money and you are paying yourself 40%, you are guaranteed, as long as you don't invest in something crazy, you are guaranteed to have, even if you didn't invest at all, enough money if you did it for a long enough period of time. But what does that require? Being realistic? Making sure that you use the right numbers for stuff? What's the right numbers? Right numbers are, in one way, how much you earn. Put the right number there. What do you take home? If you got all these deductions, you got baby mama drama, you got to put the right number down there. But it's also a right number in your purchases. You know, the right number is not a car note. It's never the right number. The right number is how much am I paying for the car? The right number is what is my interest rate? Not what's my car note. Because they can work that car note and give you a 10-year loan. And you will end up paying double the price for the car. Anything over 20% over five years, your price will double. So if you pay 20% on a car... In five years, you will pay twice the number. So the car $20,000, then you pay forty. You bought a car that costs $20,000, and you gave them $40,000 for the car. Interest rate. It's more important than anything else. And they have to, by law, give you a sheet of paper that says, here are your car payments, period of time, and this is how much your interest rate, and this is how much you end up paying. Same thing with a house. Your house, same way. You have to understand what the right number is. Just like an investor. You know, we talk about making 5 to 7% on return on investment. So if you got a credit card paying 20%, again, if you hold and pay the minimum five years, that stuff you bought, you pay double for it. Priorities. A lot of times our priorities are jacked up. We get confused about wants and needs. That's why I talk about that love thing. We think we love this. We love that. I love this house. Man, I love a happy house. I'm not attached to anything material. I make it a point. I take care of my stuff because it shows respect. It shows, you know, appreciation for what you have. But I don't love it. If a dude walked in here right now with a gun and said, give me your keys, I'm going to give him my keys, my gas car, and say, listen, I'm not going to report this car for at least 24 hours. (laughs) I'd be like, yes, sir. Yeah, give me them keys. Yes, sir. What? That is the dumbest thing ever. Get mad because somebody, listen, I bought some iPhones. I've had my iPhone since 2010, and now it's not working that way. I got an iPhone 10. So still slowed it down. I was out trying to get an Uber, and I couldn't get a car because I couldn't get no connections. I said, okay, it's a problem now. So I bought some iPhones. I get down to UPS. 
My phone's gone. They gave me empty boxes. That's what we are. Now, you know the person in UPS making at least $18, $20 an hour. But, you know, I'm upset for the inconvenience, but I'm not upset because I was so excited about getting the iPhone. But people will fight over the iPhone. I ain't gonna fight on the iPhone. You want it? Hey, man. Hey, listen, listen. Nothing material. But you gotta know what your needs and wants are. Your needs are food, clothing, and shelter. That's what my mom used to say. Listen, I provide you food, clothing, and shelter. I didn't tell you what kind of clothes, but food, clothing, and I didn't tell you what kind of food. Food, clothes. You, 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 you have a choice to eat or not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And she was right. And I never had a problem with that. And with my kids, I said the same thing. I said, listen, listen, I did my job. You were not on the street, you were not naked, and you were not hungry. Ever in your life under my supervision. So you can call it what you want, but I did my job. So you have to understand what your needs are. And nothing is more important than you having your health, peace of mind. Nothing material is going to give you that. It gives you that for a second. But just like that brand new bike, your first bicycle you got, how long were you riding that bike when you started throwing it down, leaving it outside? How long? What, three, four months? First day? Got one first day. Man, that's messed up. (laughs) But that never changes. It never changes. It never changes. Unless you make a conscious adult decision to fall in love with a car. And you start it by what? By saying it. I love this. Even a business. People fall in love with businesses. There's one reason I'm in business. Make money. Now, I want to provide a great service and do the right thing, but I'm not in business just to be in business. I would never be in business just to be in business, just to say I got a business. If it's not making money, I'm closing it down, going to something that's going to make money. That's the way you should think about your assets. That's the way you should think about the money you spend out. How is this going to build my personal value? Does a car do that? Does clothes do that? Anybody can tell me how clothes build your personal value? How about some red bobby shoes? They got to do something. Huh? How about Gucci? If I talk about Gucci, huh? There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to be clear about what it is. Those are not needs. Those are wants. Now, if you got to the point where you're living off 60% of your money, you're saving 40%, buy what you want to buy. You paid yourself. Huh? Your take-home pay. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. 60% of 2000 I always do this. I always take and break stuff down to 10% and just multiply the time the number. So 10% of 2000 is 200 right? And it's six, so six times it's $1,200. So if your expenses were $1,200, that means you were paying yourself $800 a month. Yes, 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 yes. So what did that tell you about $2,000? It's not enough. Or you got to make it enough. Now, if you stand somewhere rent-free, you can do it. If you ain't got no car, you can do it. So it's not enough, but it can be enough. But if you want cars, you got to pay rent, $2,000 not enough. So you got to increase your income. You can't sit there and look. And sometimes you have to work out. The first thing you got to do, you got to look at where your money going. Let's say you got your rent and your rent is 30% of your income or 25. A lot of people, the banks say 30. I say 25. Let's say your rent is 25% of your income. Your, your monthly mortgage or rent is 25% of your income. And then you got a car at 15. So you're at 40% right there, right? So at that point, you are already over budget for this goal I'm talking about. But you're not over budget for what we're talking about for most people. You don't jump out trying to get to the 40-60 rule. Let's get to the 10%. What we say, less than 10% of Americans pay themselves 10% of what they earn. Over 90% of Americans do not save 10% of their money. So don't start with the 40. That's the goal. The goal is to pay yourself 10, 15, then work up to 20. And when you have that as a goal, and what the goal is, it is a written down plan, and you got a way to do it. 
You look at your income, you say, okay, right now I'm at $2,000 a month. It's costing me $1,500. I save $500 every month. I want to get to the 60%. So you got to figure out how to find $300 out that difference of $1,500 and $1,200. So one thing, maybe a career change. Maybe you're not making enough money. Is there a promotion I can get? What's the fastest way to make money? Sell something. That's why I was in sales. I went into sales and marketing because it said on the job description, marketing people who are in sales, they had an asterisk by their salaries. Like marketing started when I came out of college in 1980-something. <laughs> the starting salary for marketing person was $23,000 a year. $23,000 a year. But it had an asterisk by sales determined by productivity. So it could be more or less. So a lot of times, find something you can sell. People sell Avon. People sell stuff. I mean sell stuff legal, but find something to sell. My uncle used to always teach people, how do I make an employee independent? Teach them how to sell. Go somewhere and work off commission and not working off just a salary. And you can, the more people, more sales you get, you can change your salary. But the bottom line is, that's the equation. You figure out how to make more money or you figure out how to cut your expenses. The next thing you do is you make savings automatic. You make savings automatic. You should be angry if you work all week and all month and you look at the end of the month and all your money went to pay everybody else. That's what you're working for. You ain't working for yourself. And they don't even say thank you to you. They say thank you for shopping, but they didn't say thank you for not paying yourself. You sacrifice every dime you have to, to buy stuff because that's all they pumping in your head. That's why when you look on commercial, even that's why Facebook went from being a stock worth nothing to a stock that grows. and It's one of the top three stocks on the stock market. You know why? Because they got a way of knowing not only what you're going to buy, they know what you're looking for, they know what you're talking about, so they get all this information by you talking and searching on your internet, and they take that and they sell it to marketers, to companies. So they see you on Facebook talking about, oh yeah, I got to get a dress. Then all of a sudden you go to your computer, you see all these dresses coming up. Oh, how do they know that? You told them. If I can figure out how you're thinking, I can take everything you got. Right? You have to control impulse spending. You have to control impulse spending. When we go to grocery store, how many people have a list? Be truthful now. Everybody, everyone. How many of you stick to the list? Now I'm going to get you. There we go. I'm hanging down there. So you really ain't got no list. Listen. <laughs> it's good to have a list, but you got to stick to it. And that's what we got to get to. That's how they get you in shopping. Listen. Impulse always is emotion where you take your mind off your goal financially and you fix it on what you want. So you have to say, listen, it's more important for me to make my mark saving. You put your vision, I want to get to live when I'm living off 60% of my income. That's my goal. You got to start working towards it. So when you go to the grocery store, that extra bag of Lay's potato chips, which you don't need, you might have to let that go. But one of the good things is you could get the Lay's potato chips if you're doing a sack lunch. And not eating out. Because the most expensive way to live is eating out. If you cook, you're going to save most of your food budget line. All you got to do is cook. Or make some sandwiches or something. Next thing you must do, you must invest for the future. You have to invest. And right now, we're in what's called a growth economy. The world will look so different in 20, 30 years that you're not going to recognize it. If you're around in 20 years, it's not going to be the same. Not like it was when we grew up. Like right now, outside the fake augmentation surgery. Everything looked about the same. You know, people don't look the same because, you know, when I was growing up, I remember people having all this surgery that looked different. <laughs> but besides that, what's that cell phone? And cell phones, that's it. If you went to jail 20 years ago, 
The only thing will be different is how people look at cell phones. The TV got more channels. Anybody think of anything else? Huh? Okay, that's the augmented stuff. That's the whole image thing where people don't look like who they are, you know? But the difference that's going to look in 20, 30 years, the cars will be different. They're going to be driving themselves. The people who work in the store is going to be different. They're going to be robots. The people who work around your house are going to be different. Everything you do in your house is going to be probably touch and voice control. You won't flick another light switch in 20 years. You come in the house, cut on lights. You do that now, but I'm just saying. Some people don't do it. Like, I don't want Siri in my I mean, what's the Amazon thing? How many of y'all got the Alexa? How many of you got Alexa? Who? Everybody, how many people got Alexa? You know Alexa is on even when it's not on playing music. So Alexa is just like your computer. The only difference is they listen to everything that happens. Yeah. So the whole thing about the cloud, what we don't understand about the cloud, the cloud is a big computer that's able to take and capture data and spit out information. So they'll be able to listen to your conversations and hear plug words and hear again. Figure out a way to get your money. They're going to have it in your car where you have a screen that says, you know, if you're talking about food, these restaurants are up on the next exit. So the world's going to be different. So what does that mean? That means there's a lot of opportunity for growth. If you invest in the right thing, it's just like going from the horse to the car. But only it's going to happen a lot faster. You understand? Just think if you could have bought Ford at 10 cents a share. When we, people still ride horses, and you start buying stock in Ford, well, when Ford started, the stock market went there. But when it came out, you understand what I'm saying? So invest in your future. Yes. USAA? Is that an insurance company you're talking about? Yeah. So here's my problem with insurance companies. Insurance companies are insurance companies. They insure for a death benefit. Outside of that, when they start talking about insurance companies and investing, to me, that's an oxymoron because you don't know what they're going to charge you. The fees are never up front. So right now, you can buy a mutual fund, which is called like an S&P 500, which buys the top 500 stocks in the stock market. And it has outperformed everything you're going to get from an insurance company. So my advice is cut out the expenses. Cut out the middleman. If it's a forced savings, you set up your own forced savings. You know, just have your money go into a special savings account and then invest it in a month. You can set up mutual funds to take out money out of your checking account every month. Don't let a person, there's a reason why insurance companies own everything. They got builders, everything. They got, you know, they own everything because they're making money. They know how to make money off you dying. They're not losing. They know how to make money off your house, your car. They got all this information. They're not losing. They're making money. So, only time I recommend an insurance company, if you are sure you're not going to learn it for yourself, then I would say at least it's something that's going to be around. It's not like trusting your wife's brother's cousin. You know what I'm saying? At least you know an insurance company is going to be around. But the first level or top level is to do it yourself. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about is there are so many easy ways to get very efficient in your budget. And one of those ways, go down to the last slide. So one of the things that I would recommend is if you're budgeting and you're budgeting on paper, it's not the most efficient way because you still got to wait to the end of the month. And it's, it's hard to stay diligent on that. You know, you got to find the paper. You got to find the book. <laughs> you got to remember to write stuff down. Yeah, come on. You ain't going to do all that. <laughs> so you got several apps. The Cube is Q-U-B-E. And the reason why I'm talking about that because it's an envelope system. And Pastor James talked about it. But it's Q-U-B-E. It's called Cube Money. Pull that up on your phone right now. Pull up Cube Money. How many of y'all familiar with Cube Money? Q-U-B-E Money. You see it? 
So cube money, now these are all the ones, you can take a picture of that, these are all the ones that are good apps. But the reason why I like cube money is it's a system that gives you a credit card that ties to your checking account. And you say, oh my goodness. But the only thing about the credit card, you can't use it without your phone. So if you lost this card, nobody can go buy anything with it. So what happens is, when you go to the shop, right, you take the cube card out, right? And you say, okay, I'm at the grocery store. This is going into my cube, which is my toiletries. I'm in the drugstore buying some makeup. It goes to my toiletries. You go to cube, you press toiletries, and you pay for it. It's going to tell you right then, are you on budget, under budget, going over groceries? This is my grocery cube. See what I'm saying? And it's $8 a month. So you can take, like everybody's here, don't get paid for being in these classes. You can take one check from being in this class, and you can pay for at least five months. Two checks, you pay for the whole year. Eight times 12 is 96, almost, at least three checks. That's $96. But I recommend this because it is very simple, and it gives you instant feedback on where you are. Cute money. And it hadn't gone to the stock market yet, so you can watch it. You may want to invest in it if you really like it. But they got all these videos. You can see the videos, but it's the only thing like it. There's no other app that has a credit card that now you don't have to have a one credit card. And it's hooked to your visa or whatever, you know, or your checking account or whatever you want to hook it to. I hope you hook it to your checking account, not another credit card. But that's dependent on your decision of what kind of excellence you're going to be in. Are you going to be top excellence or, but at least you will direct your money. So another thing you can do with Cube is pay your bills automatically. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what I said. Cube money. Yeah, cube money. Make sure you put cube money. Q-U-B-E money. Yeah, like queen. All right. So the next thing is pay your bills immediately and automatically, especially your fixed bills. Because that way you'll know it kind of gives you a little edge. You can't be messing around with your budget when your bill's going out. You know, <laughs> you know a lot of people don't do automatic bills. Why? Because they're scared that you're going to bounce. That's why. <laughs> My partner, and we're doing well at Granite Nettie's, and we got plenty of money. I said, put the stuff on automatic. And she's scared. I said, look, we got the money. Uh-uh. You know? <laughs> but my point is, you do that when you got a budget and you're directing your money. Just pay them on time. Look at your net worth. Every year, you should look at your net worth. See, did you increase your savings? That's going to increase your net worth. Did you buy something as an appreciable asset, or did you spend all your money on your wants and not your needs? Always look at your net worth. What's your net worth? You take everything you owe and you put it against everything that you can sell and get money for. Now, when you put clothes and stuff like that in, you got to put the right amount. So don't say you can sell a pair of shoes that you paid $200 for and you get $50 for. You can normally get 5 to 10% on anything that's a depreciating asset, especially clothes, you know, 5 to 10%. If you want to buy some red bottom shoes, go on one of them sites right now. You'll see them. People pay $1,000 for a shoe. You give her $180, 10%. That's if you just want some red bottom shoes. Uh-huh. Say it one more time. Uh-huh. So she asked, if you have a savings account, do they tax? They tax interest on the savings. But if you have it just in a regular savings account, you only get a 1% interest, so it ain't nothing tax. So if you put $1,000 in there, you're going to make what? $10 in a whole year. Now, if you invest in the stock market, they only tax you when you sell the stock or when you get a dividend payment. Like if you have a mutual fund, you will get a dividend payment at the end of every year. Okay? You get taxed on that. But a lot of times it may be at, if it's a mutual fund, it may be at capital gains and not ordinary income. What's the difference? Capital gains is, gains is 20%. Ordinary income is how much you make. Like when you get your paycheck, 
that's going to be anywhere from 28 to 39 percent. So depending on how much you earn, how you fall in your tax bracket. You understand what I'm saying? So in short, when you invest and make money now, Biden was trying to take that capital gains up the same as ordinary income. Did y'all know that? He wanted to tax you on investments. One of his plans was to raise capital gains to the same as ordinary income. Right now, when you get paid by your job, it's ordinary income. If you make interest on a bond, that's ordinary income. But investing in stocks was capital gains. Selling your house was capital gains. You understand it? So, <laughs> so, so he hadn't passed it yet, but, you know, so, you know, Trump don't sound too bad right now, right? <laughs> it depends on what you look at it. If you had a lot of money, no, I'm dead serious. If you had a lot of money and you going to go from paying 20% to paying 40%, you going to vote for Trump. <laughs> you going to say that out loud. You going to say that out loud. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Don't y'all start looking at me. Your pastor said he voted for Trump. I ain't say I voted for Trump. <laughs> Your pastor said he voted for Trump. I ain't voted for Trump. I voted by lesser two evils. But my point is that you're right. You will be taxed on it, but it will grow faster. And you won't be taxed on it. Now, other thing. You have to hold a stock at least one year to get it taxed at capital gains. If you if you flipping stocks, like buying stocks, selling every month, what's called day trading, you're going to be taxed at ordinary income. So anything you make, you're going to lose whatever your tax rate is. So if you make 35%, you make enough money to pay 35% tax, then you're going to have to pay 35% tax on the capital gains when you don't hold the stock for one year. Okay? Oh, yeah. Well, here's the deal. Anytime you put over $10,000 in cash in a bank, it's going to ding the IRS. So if you ever got a lot of money somebody gave you, you don't know, put $9,999 in there. <laughs> you put $10,000, it alerts the IRS. But ain't nobody here doing that illegal. <laughs> right? We all get Christians in here. I just want to throw that out there, just in case y'all got some nephews or something. Doing something. So always look at your net worth. And always watch that because as you get close to retirement, your net worth is going to give you the number you need to know what you're going to live off of. So another way you get to that 40%, 60-40 rule is when your house is paid off. That's why Dave Ramsey was telling us to pay our house off fast. Because now you take 30% of your income, now you got to go get all your other bills. So when can you really easily live off 60% of your income? When your house is paid for. So how many people in the market to buy a house now? Anybody? Well, you know, this is the absolute worst time to buy a house. It's the best time to sell a house. So if you're going to sell a house, how would you know if it makes sense for me to sell my house and get my cash out of my house? Because right now, some people can get $100,000 over what they pay for their house. The plan is where you're going to live. Because <laughs> when you go buy a house, it's going to be $100,000 higher. So it's almost like, you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Make 100000 on your house, then you go buy a house, pay $100,000 more for that house. So what's the rule? If you are downsizing and you're looking at a house that's cheaper than your house and you can actually net money, then you have to look at how much you're going to net. Meaning what I'm saying is, if you say your house, you got a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, and your wife said, we want to get a little smaller house, just us two, kids out the house, you empty nester, and you can find a house that's half the price of your house then it's good to take your money and pocket your house, pay cash for that house, and you got extra 200000 It's like pulling your equity out. 
But what you don't want to do is take your house and buy a house twice as high as the house you sold. You understand? So it's a great time to sell, terrible time to buy. So here's what I'm going to ask you all to do. If you have been budgeting and you've been on a paper budget system, I think it's worth your while to invest in some type of app so you can see what you're doing when you do it. The next thing is, if you are planning on making purchases, make sure you identify every purchase as either want or need and make a conscious decision that this is going to help you continue on whatever goal you set. If you're married, you should set your goals together. That's the only way it's going to really work. And once you set the goals together, you have to stay committed to that. Now, again, that means you are locked in because, you know, if you want to say, hey, it's not our budget to go on vacation. But if I take an extra job a couple hours a week doing this over a year, we could save enough money to do it. Always find a way to do it where it does not circumvent what you're supposed to be doing in your budget. Don't just do it and say, well, we think about it later. We got to live right now. That will always happen. So those are all the things about having a fixed budget. So the assignment is, if you're not on the app, get on the app. It doesn't have to be cubed, but find some way where you can monitor your stuff and you stay consistent. All right? If you're not already doing it. If you got a program that's working, then fine. But these are for people who go on, get off. Because this is very important for you to really know where you stand. And there's no better time to do it than now. And this is the only way this class is going to benefit you. I mean, you got incentive, but I don't know. If, I mean, I would take the information because that would be way more than whatever incentive that's out right now. Any questions? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a cash. It's actually a credit card, but it carries a zero balance. So if you lost it, nobody can go and charge anything because you have to have your phone. It's connected to your cell phone and your app. So even if somebody stole your phone, your phone should everybody got their phone locked. Okay, yeah. So they couldn't use it unless they get it to your phone. Okay. So this is how it controls your spending. The question is, you set a budget in there. You say, I'm going to spend $300 on gas or $200 on gas, right? So when you go to the gas pump, you're going to pay with your car. So you go to the pump and you get out and you put gas. I'm going to put $20 in my car. Yeah, you put it in your phone. And then when you tap it, it goes through. So now, if you had $300, your phone's going to say, you have $280 less on gas. That was your budget with $300. You stopped the gas. You bought $20 worth of gas. You tap it. It subtracts from the $300 you budgeted. Yes, but you have a budget now. And you know what you deposit in your checking account, right? Because what we want to get away from our credit card. It's just like a debit card. It's like a debit card. But you want to get away from credit cards. Because, again, remember the interest I showed y'all? So unless you pay your balance off at the end of every month, you don't want to use a credit card. Any other questions? All right. So I held y'all out. <laughs> All right. Thank y'all for coming out. Remember, get your app. Get your digital habit next month. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to go less. But I want everybody to do this because if you're not going to do it, you're really wasting your time. You're not going to get most out of class. All right. Thank you. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was session 10 of the Render My Money 2021 series by Gerald Render. This message is number 4535. That's 4535 to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4535 to a friend. Go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. From brothers of the word.